Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you all for tuning in to Step Into Your Sunshine. This is Rachel Kudron, your host, the owner of Etsy Boutique Kudron's Curiosities and RC Copywriting. Today, I have a very, very special guest, and I would love for her to introduce herself. Oh, hi. <laughs> I'm Naomi. Um, I, um, I'm a marketing coach. Um, I've got a little boy who's nine, and... Um, I live in Lincolnshire in the UK. That's kind of me in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> Thank you so much. My first question for you, Naomi, is what were some of the defining moments in your life that shaped who you are? Oh, oh, many, <laughs> many. Um, I suppose if you look at it chronologically, um, the, there's, a, there's a few really big defining moments in my life um when I was I'm not sure what age it was because um I, I it's kind of I kind of blocked it out of my memory but when I was very young maybe about five um I experienced some abuse um and um I yeah I completely blocked it out of my memory and it didn't come back to me until I was 21 um which was a big shock which was a huge shock um and then another moment was when I was 14 and my mum died that was a huge huge um life change for me which took me a very long time to I don't want to say get over but come to terms with it probably wasn't until my son was born that I came to terms with it actually um a, a long time um and then sort of the aftermath after that was um very defining as well and um I guess I didn't really allow myself to breathe. I sort of just cracked on and carried on. And I felt like I was sort of the, the woman of the house and that I should take over that, that mother role. And um, I sort of became a mother to my son, to my brothers. Um, and um, the strain took too much. And then I had a, I had a nervous breakdown when I was 21. And then that, you know, that was a real, I can, it's like, there was like life before the breakdown and life after the breakdown. It was like very, there's very much clear, a clear divide, like who I was before and who I was after. And I spent a long time after that, um, just feeling very, very anxious. And, um, and then... <laughs> When my son was born, which obviously was a defining moment anyway, because you know, um, it was my, you know, that becoming a mum is huge, isn't it? But um my mental health took a real nosedive when he was born. And um and I was diagnosed with postnatal depression and postnatal anxiety. You know, I wasn't in a great place. I think if I'd I think if I hadn't had that breakdown when I was 21, I think I would have been a lot worse when I um, struggled, suffered with postnatal depression because I kind of knew what it was. Whereas when I was 21, I didn't have a clue what was happening. I thought I was going mad. I literally thought I was going mad. I was terrified. And um, um, yeah, and then that was the moment, like that was the moment when my son was born and I thought I've, I've got to sort myself out. This and that's. And that's that was the transition into who I am now. Um, 
so yeah so a few quite a few big moments in my life that have defined who I am um quite a few huge moments really Wow, I'm very grateful that you have chosen to share those with us mm. and with me. I think the first one you talked about was when you were young and that you were abused. I, I'm currently reading a book right now called um, The Body Keeps the Score. I don't know if you've ever read it or not, no. but what you were saying actually is in alignment with this book. This book is um, focused on trauma and how the body keeps the score. And what that means is like how the body remembers the trauma, even if your mind doesn't, mm -hmm. even if you've dissociated, like you have said that you did, yeah. dissociated for several, several years, it's the, the body still remembers the trauma. And that's immediately what I thought about because uh, he references um, victims and when they were really, really young uh, in regards to the Catholic church, uh, from priest and uh, being sexually molested or abused and that the little boys um, blocked it out for years and years and years and years. And he was um, the doctor that wrote the book. He, he was on the precipice of the doctors that came forward and said, actually, these boys can remember 15 years later. And it can be shocking. It can mm. completely unravel their lives because they don't remember that it occurred. And uh, he he was the one that pushed the idea that actually trauma create it, you can dissociate the memories so much that you don't actually remember them happening to you. Mm. And so I'd love to know your thoughts about that. Yeah, I did. I had some counseling about this actually, and she said. It, it, what really rang true for me is like my my childhood is actually right I don't remember a lot of it at all um mm -hmm. and I think that's partly down to the abuse and the fact that I blocked out a big chunk of my early childhood and also the trauma from my mum dying because I couldn't handle it so I, I almost blocked I blocked memories of my mum out as well um so my it's making me feel a bit sad um so my childhood is really patchy and my therapist said it's like it's like um snapshots she said you've got you have snapshots and that's exactly what it is I've got pieces um I don't know what happened before I don't know what happened after I don't know what happened around I've just got like a like a, a moment that I remember and it's really bizarre because I thought everyone forgot their childhood and um, they don't. <laughs> that was a revelation to me. So I just thought, oh, you know, doesn't everyone forget their childhood? Um, and I could, I could, you know, I knew, I knew like something was, I just knew that deep down something wasn't quite right, but I didn't know what it was. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. You do, you, you do. You do you do disassociate, and it is like looking at a photo rather than actually being there, being in it. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I I think it's really important that the people that tune in and listen to this episode understand your experience 
and that traumas are not all the same and the way that we interpret traumas are also not the same mm-hmm. and so when somebody comes to you and shares a traumatic experience or what they're going through is that we have to open up our ears and listen to them and understand that why we might not understand the situation we might not even understand at the time dissociation or what does that mean or how is that possible but we have to take care of that individual and that person and Mm. let them know that they're heard and that they're understood and that they're supported yeah absolutely please i need help with the team because i want my baby i cannot right now but i want true I think this topic and listeners tuning in, it also links with mental health and how people that have mental struggles, they don't feel supported. They don't feel heard. They don't feel understood. And so many times that can lead down a path of destruction or to attempted suicide or uh, to um, successful suicide. And the reason I use those wordings is just because um, I have had members of my family attempt suicide. And so when I differentiate the two, it's not to say less than one or the other, it's just to differentiate the two. And so what are your thoughts about those ex- your experience with abuse? those children or other adults that um, suffer different types of trauma and how that relates to mental health? Oh, well, yeah, it definitely, it definitely affects your mental health. But I think, um, you know, when I was first initially struggling with my mental health, that like, this was like 20 years ago, um, nobody talked about it back then. You didn't know, you didn't know what it was. Um, I didn't have a clue. I was, I didn't, I didn't, I was like, why am I feeling like this? Like, what is this? Nobody in my family understood it. Um, I felt like I honestly, it felt like I was going insane because I just didn't, because nobody was talking about it. Um, but I think it goes, you know, goes back further than, you know, go back, goes back before the, the breakdown. Cause I'm, I only really discovered um, very recently when I started to see a coach a few years ago that I had social anxiety. I had absolutely no idea that I had social anxiety, but it re- literally ruled my life. And um, and that's, you know, that is a form of, of, of poor mental health or low mental health, whatever you want to call it. And I had that since I was a teenager. And, um, and it's, that was, I don't want to make excuses, but that was like the catalyst for such, so much, um, uh, like risk-taking behavior and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, so I remember vividly as a teenager, just being so massively uncomfortable in my own skin, feeling like I had this feeling like there was something wrong with me and I didn't want other people to find out, you know, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Obviously, that was um, the abuse, but so you, like you say, it stays in the body, but the, 
you know, I blocked it out, but there was still this feeling like there was something wrong with me. And um, yeah, and I, really, and I was really, I was so socially awkward and felt so uncomfortable in my own skin. And um, and then I discovered alcohol and that got rid of it. And um, and then, so then I just had a really bad relationship with alcohol from from the mo first moment I started drinking. So it's it's like a domino effect. So the the abuse led to me having social anxiety and just feeling really uncomfortable in my own skin, which led to led to addictions. And then and then again when my mum died, I struggled really badly with that and I used alcohol to cope and I was partying so hard just to block it all out. And then that led to a breakdown. So it's all so it's like it is like a set of dominoes being knocked over. Um, hmm. That's my experience of how it's affected my mental health. Um, but yeah, tra the trauma. I don't think the abuse was necessarily um, responsible for the um, what's it called the generalized anxiety I felt mm. like that came from my mum dying. But I had so I had generalized anxiety as well, where I was always on edge waiting for something awful to happen. Um, and that was, you know, a massive chunk of my adult life. I was terrified of something awful happening and it controlled my life. Um, um, so, yeah, trauma does affect your mental health in, um but then I just it then it but then it became normal and I just accepted it it's like as as the norm and but I was miserable <laughs> like and I thought everyone hated me and you know I think I was probably depressed as well but I didn't even know that I was depressed like you know like low level there's a word for it I can't remember the word like low level depression where you're sort of functioning high functioning mm. um you know definitely had low self-esteem as well which when you've got low self-esteem it's like life's like walking through treacle so yeah I had the whole mix <laughs> but yeah huge effect on my mental health definitely my goodness I, I can relate to a lot of the things that you said and mm -hmm. uh, the more recent things that you said about anxiety is that something that I've had as well mm -hmm. and I've always sort of managed to sort of keep it hidden mm. and uh, since I don't have social anxiety being around people generally lights me up I am definitely a people person yet it's more the opposite when I'm alone I do not oh. enjoy being alone I don't enjoy being by myself in the house I don't enjoy going traveling on my own and um, those are things that heighten my anxiety to almost uh, immeasurable amounts like I it almost stops me from making choices because I'm just like I don't know I can just feel the stress like up to my eyeballs and you're right you're right on edge you're just like something's gonna go wrong you're just so convinced that something is horrible is going to happen and when people tell you oh you know you're overreacting Rachel or like that's never gonna happen why do you think that it doesn't help me it doesn't help me understand what's going on or how to better handle my emotions or how to calm myself back down so I can actually take control of my life rather than being a victim of my chaos mm -hmm. and 
so I also went through therapy. I went um, every week for two years um, in not just for anxiety, but for also for trauma. And we really had to work hard um, to teach me new strategies and methods to handle the stress and the anxiety. And one thing that you said that I felt was very spot on, and I would use the word clever, but it's not in that way. It's just clever in the way that you said it, is that the anxiety, the constant anxiety taking over your body and your mind felt normal. It's like, this is just how my life is. And I felt exactly the same. And my therapist would always ask me, you know, are you feeling stressed today? Are you anxious about something? And every day, every time I went, I would have a list of things I was anxious about. And that just felt normal. That was every week, every day. I was nervous about these things. And it just seemed like, well, isn't everybody nervous about these things? That's what you think. Exactly. Yeah. Like It just seems like this is a normal part of me. It's been going on for years. Why would I think that that's strange? And I remember the moment that she told me that I needed to walk away from my job. I'm like, yeah, that can't happen. I cannot do that. I, where would money come from? How would I support my family? How would I pay my house payment? It, you know, all the questions and just immediately a wall went up. I'm like, yeah, that's not an option. And then I went home because I had been working with her for a while at this point. And I went home and I talked to my husband. I actually, I, I didn't always disclose to him what the therapy sessions were about, but this one I did. And he's like, well, that's what she thinks. And I a hundred percent agree with her that I think you should quit. And I'm like, oh, what? And no, I can't do that. You know, all these things. And he goes, but she's right. You're constantly stressed. You're in a constant state of anxiety and stress. And at, also, I had lots of physical pain that accompanied my yeah. stress and anxiety. And it wasn't until she like opened the blindfolds or opened the shades that I realized that this is not what every person goes through. Like this isn't a norm for the majority of people. It's just my norm. And I have to rewrite that norm if I'm going to be a normal or let's say normal functioning adult. Hmm. Because I was just constant at a state of like 112 and my anxiety out of 100. And I guess you would call that high functioning. But mm -hmm. I was like deteriorating on the inside. Like my body was falling apart. Did you have any physical symptoms that came with your anxiety and stress or depression? Or I don't know. I don't think I, yeah, I don't think I had physical symptoms but I know I do know what you mean because um it's very common isn't it for, for um stress to create like physical ailments like uh, you know people literally create things like IBS with their thoughts um but yeah I I don't think I personally had any physical ailments not that I can remember not like but yeah I, you know no nah, not that I can remember I don't I don't think I did no it was very much all in my head I remember going to see somebody once who um and I don't know not everyone believes in this stuff but she she um she feels your the energy around your body and mm -hmm. um it's called energy field therapy or something like that and she feels the energy around your body and so like put so I tried all sorts um and um 
realigns it all and makes it flow better and stuff and she literally said that all of my energy was like from here upwards she said you've got no energy like but from your sort of from your chest downwards like literally everything was up here yeah that's what she said and I can you know it kind of made sense because I was always inside my head like Mm. you know when you say when you were saying about being alone I hated being alone like I would make up stories in my head that was so catastrophic that I I, I terrify myself um so yeah so maybe not the physical ailments but I was maybe headaches actually headaches um Mm. but yeah struggling with sleep um but yeah my head so I remember standing in the bathroom one time (laughs) when this was when I was on my own um and I'd had spent few hours on my own and I remember standing in the bathroom shouting at myself and will you just shut up because I was so fed up with the, the thoughts that were just like constantly whirring around in my head and I was shouting at myself that's that's why you need to be around other people isn't it because all the noise blocks cuts it out when you're on your own it all comes to life doesn't it I mean I had myself like um I'd forgotten to pay a parking ticket once and um, and I'd sat at home and I did. I thought to myself, I'm going to go to prison for this. And then I imagined myself sat in the prison cell. I imagined how awful it would be and how upset I would be. And I got, like got myself really upset. Like I would actually put myself into like a visualization of of this really awful thing happening to me. Um, and all it did, all. <laughs> All that happened was I paid a slightly bigger fine, but I had myself like locked up in prison and my life over. That's that's the way my thoughts would go, um, like one to one to a thousand in in seconds. So yeah, it was just that I, constant like my head. <laughs> I can really relate to that. Is that is exactly how it's like when I'm alone or traveling alone or um like my husband's out later at night and it's just me and my daughter. It's like all the other parts of the day, I'm fine. I have myself under control, but as soon as I'm alone and especially at night, it's my, my thoughts go from zero to a thousand. I, I, just like you just said, you had visualized yourself in this really dangerous situation and you're already like, your body's already prepared to like fight or flight because you, it's like so clear right in front of your eyes. And I can really relate to that because I know exactly what that's like. And I go through that at night when I'm alone or when I'm traveling alone, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I have to think of every possible thing that could happen because I have to sort out how I'm going to get out of that situation before it occurs. And so I feel like this is important conversation for people to have and for our listeners to hear is that maybe for the first time they listen to this and they're like, there's other people like me or that they realize, okay, you know, I, other people have gone through this as well, because you're one of the first that I've actually openly spoken to about these thoughts and feelings, because I feel like you understand me. And Mm -hmm. I want those that listen in to feel like we understand them. And that this is a community that they can come to and they can talk to me or you or other members of the community and say, you have these two. Oh, okay. I belong here. This is my community. Mm -hmm. And they don't, and they know that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Well, I used to, um, 
um, help people with anxiety. And you know what? One of the one of the big main things that people would say to me is, I I thought I was the only one that felt like this. It's so isolating because because you you think because you think to yourself, this is nuts. Like I can't tell anyone else that I'm feeling like this. Um, it's, but, um, because they're going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> and um, people keep it to themselves. And also, there's an element of, I don't know about you, but this certainly for me, there's a, there was an element of, I can't let people know this about me because I'm, you know, I don't want them to think that I'm not strong. Um, and um, I found it very difficult to be vulnerable. And I, I'm okay with that now. Um, so I would put on this front and I actually, what I would do was I would overcompensate and I would be like the loudest person in the room and um, and just to prove, to show to people that I'm all right, because I'm, inside I was not all right at all. Um, so I think there's a lot of that as well, isn't there? A lot of masking, pretending everything's okay because it just doesn't feel, you don't feel safe, I suppose, saying, actually I sit at home and I worry that I'm going to go to prison and then when you say it out loud <laughs> it sounds bonkers but um it's like a real problem it's it, it's like it can be debilitating and actually there's loads of people that have got anxiety absolutely loads you should go on Facebook there must be a thousand um support groups <laughs> for people with anxiety it's like it's so common and especially yeah so go on that's good for people to hear that yeah. there's support groups and resources for people that have anxiety and that people realize that they aren't alone. Yeah. I believe that anxiety is actually very prevalent. And just like you said, it's hidden. And when you said you overcompensated, I think that that's very, very common where yeah. inside we feel totally out of control. So we cling to anything that we can have control over and so for you if it was uh, alcohol and that gave you the sense of power and control to take yeah. back in everything then that became an addiction and yeah. just like if you present yourself in a certain manner on social media and you feel powerful or you feel in control of the narrative then that becomes an addiction or any time that you feel powerful that becomes something that you hold on to like you grasp you like you like dig your fingernails into because it's the only way that you feel control yeah oh yeah 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 that's exactly what happened um, with alcohol. It, 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 was, it was a way of controlling the environment and controlling how I felt and controlling what other people thought of me. So I was, I, you know, that very much in the beginning, you know, the beginning, very first time, very first time I had alcohol, I drank alcohol, I thought, oh my God, this is amazing. This is like liquid confidence. I had no confidence, like, had no confidence, had no, like, you know, um, probably it was probably low self-esteem, um, and yeah, and I use, did take, use it as a way to take back control for a long, long time, and then I became this, I almost like almost like a persona, this like persona that I was the loud and leery party girl. Like people now, because I'm complete opposite. Naturally, I'm quite introverted. Like. It was just, it was just a, like, if I was going, knew I was going to be around people, I'd be like, deep breath in, right, okay, game face on, 
um, bottle of wine um, and just be, and I was actually quite loud and quite obnoxious really, um, not, not someone that I probably like hanging around with. Um, and I'm, com- I'm the complete opposite of that naturally. Like, I did, you know, I, and I hid behind that for a long, long time. That, um, you know, that glass of wine. Pretending yeah. to be someone I wasn't. And I think that's not just addiction, but I think that's a very common story that we become someone that we're really not so mm. that we can feel in control or that we can feel powerful or that we can feel like we're making our own decisions. And some of that also comes, uh, it does come from childhood trauma or early trauma or loss of uh, somebody very significant like your mother. Uh, but it also comes from society and parents and colleagues putting a cage on you of who you are. Like you're this person, not that person. You're like this and not like that. And then they're telling you all these things, yet you're in exact opposition to what all the things they are categorizing you as and oh you're so much like this you're so much like that and then you begin to think to yourself am I am I really like that well maybe I should be like that because that's where I'm more accepted mm-hmm. that's where I'm where I'm happier or that's where I'm think I'm happier or where people are more content with me mm-hmm. and for me I was raised by two very forward and direct parents. And so naturally I have more of that attitude of being just direct and really to the point. And growing up that it felt like everybody around me, that was not an acceptable way to be if I was a female. I I wasn't allowed to be direct. I wasn't allowed to be uh, to the point or to say, hey, no, we're not doing that, or I don't believe that, or I don't agree with that. I was just like supposed to be the person that followed and not be the confrontational one. And then I was labeled labeled confrontational. Oh, and she, she isn't very kind, or she's, she, she's too direct. She's, Mm -hmm. she's aggressive. And I'm like, wait, that doesn't describe me at all. Like, I don't feel like I'm any of those things. And that was my cage of handling how do I handle my natural personality, but not let others control me that I'm this aggressive, very direct, over-the-top woman. That's interesting, isn't it? That you just because you because you know you know your own mind, you've been labeled as someone that's bossy and not very nice or something like that. Is it like yes. It's interesting. I don't. I wonder if. I wonder if men would get the same labels. That's, that's an interesting question, you know. And one to send out to our listeners <laughs> is: Would men get the same labels when men are more direct or to the point or aggressive? Mm. Would they be told those things? Would they be shot down? Would they be told that you can't be like that, or you should be more like this? yeah there's 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 like a a thing isn't there about confident women that like confident women are it are like portrayed as bitches aren't they like you can see it in mo- in movies you know like the devil wears Prada is like an a, an example that I can think of like because she's a successful woman she's a bitch and mm. um it's 
I think there's a thing, isn't there? Like people don't like confident women. Um, and I think you're portrayed in certainly in the media as um, as you know someone horrible if you if you so happen to want to be successful and you know your own mind and you you like you know what you want and you go for it you're you're a cutthroat aren't you but if if it's a if it's a man you're you know you just do you're just doing your thing yes I think so much and this is this is actually a topic that weighs very heavy on my heart and I have lots of opinions about this topic and I also want to encourage our listeners. What do you guys think? Um, many of our listeners are female. There are a few men that come in. And I, I want it to be for everybody. Mm. Are these stereotypes still the same? Have they changed? Have you witnessed a change over your life? And for me, I still experience a similar thing where out of my family and my extended family I'm still the one of the only females that's very very direct and like if somebody crosses over a boundary then I'm right there to meet them on the other side and like that's not okay with me Mm. and I and I do have strict boundaries because I I have learned to protect myself and I've learned to protect my energy and I've learned to protect my thought process and to protect me and so for me, I'm still met with like, this isn't really what you're, what role you're supposed to play. And I'm just like, I'm right here. Like, if you choose to go over this boundary, then yeah, we're going to have, we're going to have to have a chat because this, this isn't going to work. And so do you experience that for you nowadays? Or was that like a past experience for you? Or have you ever uh, experienced this? No, no. Do you know what? I'm, I, I'm the opposite. Like, um, I would have what you probably would have called a doormat. I had no boundaries, and um, and I'm getting better at it, but I still find it really difficult. I find it really difficult to put boundaries in place, and like, and I put them in place, and I think, just listen. And then if someone crosses that boundary, I'm like, oh god, I've got to tell you again. And it's like, I find it really difficult. Right? It's been. I remember seeing a, a therapist years ago and she said, what are your boundaries? I was, I was talking about boundaries and I was like, huh, what boundaries? And um, I didn't even know what they were. Um, so yeah, and I was a huge, huge people pleaser. And I think that was very much my role within my family was I was the good girl and, um, and I learned that pleasing other people and doing as I was told and um and you know making other people happy was how it kept me safe um so when I try and put boundaries in place um it makes me feel unsafe Hmm. really so I um I'm the opposite but you know I am loads better than I was but I still find it difficult I still I don't know maybe I always will find it difficult so yeah, I'm not, I, I am, I'm working to be like you. <laughs> and I think it's important that the listeners hear this just the position between the two of us, because yeah. for you, putting in boundaries made you feel unsafe. And for me, the lack of boundaries makes me feel unsafe. 
Like if I don't know where my boundary is, I'm like, okay, this feels like a really uncomfortable, unsafe situation because I don't know what's going to happen or where, where can I put my boundary? And so I do understand that from the opposing view is like what your implementation of them makes you feel unsafe. Yet my lack of boundary makes me feel unsafe. And I think sometimes when people interact, we have to take in the whole person and we have to think, okay, this whole person, what does she like? What does she like? What does she not like? How does she communicate? Is she firm in her boundaries? Is she not? And this also leads to conversation towards leadership and being like, if you choose to have your own business or be an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset is that it's our job as business women to understand uh, various types of thinking and then being being able to uplift them and empower them in their various forms of thinking so mm. that they can be the best versions of themselves. Mm. In my opinion, I think that's incredibly important for a leader and for a businesswoman is to understand that we don't all think the same we have different ways of coming to the same conclusion we have different thought processes and and like I said in my opinion our responsibility is to know that we're all different and how do I cultivate the strengths and other people or in my employees so that they can feel empowered to do their job the best of their ability for me, that's the example of the best type of leader. Mm, yeah, I think it. Um, that's that. I think because of this stuff that I've been through in my life, I I always stop and think to myself, like, because I get, you know, you, you know, someone might trigger you, for example, and um, they might say something that triggers you or whatever, and I always take a step back and think, what's their story? That's that's mm. what I think, like. What's the story like? Because this, if someone says, you know, I get people being horrible to me on on my posts and stuff like that, um, and and it is triggering. And and my initial response is, I want to say something nasty back. Um, but then you, you, there's everyone's got a story, aren't they? Because that isn't because someone's being nasty to me on a post. That's nothing to do with me at all, really. That's that's to do with their response to what I've said and um and and that's going to be to do with their life experiences like we've all we've all got a story haven't we and um and I think I think that's um important to remember and I think I think because of the the journey that I've been on in my life that's one of my strong points is that I'm I don't judge people um and I think that's I think it's important, actually. So I don't want anyone to judge me. Um, but yeah, we've all got a story, haven't we? We've all got a backstory. And when someone's when someone's um, react, responding in a particular way, it's because of their life experiences. Like I definitely responded differently to stuff ten years ago to the way I respond to stuff now. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't definitely agree with that. And we're always evolving. We're always learning new skill sets. 
or learning our new capacities, new boundaries that are important to us or uh, old boundaries like, oh, we don't actually need that boundary anymore. We can collapse that one. And um, we're always evolving and changing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Like, I tell you what, actually, um, becoming a business owner has been the biggest self-development journey I have ever been on like stuff crops up all the time that I need to process and deal with um oh oh right that absolutely it's it's been if you want to if you want to do if you want to find out who you are what needs healing um if you want to learn about self-awareness like start your own business it's bonkers the the how much you evolve right I agree so, so, so much. And I am 100% in alignment with what you just said. It's been exactly the same for me. I have never learned more about myself than during the time that I've been a business owner, because it's constant, because you do play all of the roles, especially at the beginning, is that you have to learn more about you. And then all of a sudden, you've worked so hard that then you realize that you're walking away from an opportunity. Why am I doing that? more self-development. You have to figure out what is going on inside of my brain or my head or the way I was raised or my thought process or my mindset to figure out and undo all of those layers and be like, okay, here's me. Let's rebuild myself again. Oh, it, it is constant, isn't it? Like, what do they say? New level, new devil. Every time you, every time, yes. <laughs> every time, yes. it's, it's more like new level, same old devil because it's the same <laughs> yeah. stuff that comes up all the time oh the you know self-sabotage is like I sabotage myself and then like it's just like breathing and then I and then all of a sudden I think to myself oh I've done it again how have I done it again <laughs> yes and then so much <laughs> it's it's constant it really is constant it's amazing though isn't it absolutely amazing like I've never been so confident in my life than it exactly I feel the same like after having to undo all of those layers and learning more about myself like you said every level another devil then it's now it's like I know who I am I know what I stand for I know my personality I know what direction I want to go I know what needs to be focused on when I do go to that next level I have to give myself a little talking to and be ready for that next step and Naomi just to ask you one more question okay. is what advice would you give to someone who is trying to find their path in life oh wow um the first thing I want to say is listen to your instincts I think like um because it's so there's so much noise out there isn't there and we can really really easily we can we can get, have a we can think we want to do something and get really excited about it. And then if you let it, if you let it um, sort of percolate for a while, those thoughts, those thoughts in your head start to talk you out a bit. So it's like really, really tuning into your instincts and trusting that, you know, you know, the best for you. Um, I've, I've uh, this is definitely something that I, a big lesson that I've learned over the few last few years is to stop listening to what other people are telling me and listen to what I'm telling me because what you always know the best for you 
So I, that would be that would be my biggest piece of advice: is learning to listen to your instincts and your intuition because it's always right, always. <laughs> I could not agree more. I think that is absolutely brilliant advice, and I feel like so many other entrepreneurs can relate to that. And anybody who's tuning in absolutely follow your instinct because just like Naomi said it's not going to leave you astray it's going to lead you exactly where you're meant to be yep Naomi can you share how we can get in contact with you oh um probably the best way would be um just to find me on Facebook I'm just um just under Naomi Buffery on Facebook um that's where I hang out most um and I've also got a group um called I just changed the name um how to do marketing the simple way yeah how to do marketing the simple way yeah so go and connect with Naomi I would like to thank you all for tuning into this episode and always remember that we have new episodes releasing on Monday and Thursday night at 8 p.m UTC time 7 p.m UK time and 1 p.m US Central Standard Time I can't wait to talk to you guys next week and I will see you soon